Hey everyone, welcome to the Tulia Christian Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. To give online, see upcoming events or service times, please visit us at tcf.church. All right, let's have a word of prayer and then I'm going to jump right into the word this morning. Father God, I love you. Lord, I think all I want this morning is for our hearts to be open to your truth. That, Father God, the light of the gospel would shine into our hearts and that we would know the hope of our calling and we would know the glory of our inheritance. Father, I know what you have to say today is bigger than me. It's more important than me. It's beyond me. And that, Father God, you speak and you have your way in each of our hearts today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? I started a couple of weeks talking about the prophetic word that uh, Chuck Pierce gave at Trinity Fellowship back in the beginning of January. And the, the one thing that I wanted to really stir in your heart this morning as I continue is that prophecy is not a weird thing. It's not a spooky thing. All prophecy means is that we have a future. Listen, Jesus said that he was going to go and prepare a place for us, that where he is, we would be also. So you and I have a future. You see, I have a home here, but then I have a heavenly home. And that's what prophetic means. Listen, we're a prophetic people. We're also a prophetic church because God's moving in my life. He's moving in your life, and he wants to take us to a place in this life and in the next life that's going to bless us. I talked about last week about how God wants to speak to you and to bring you into a place of your identity. Here's what I know. There's nothing more important than how you see yourself. Wouldn't you agree? There's nothing more important than your identity. And when I say identity, I don't mean family identity or state identity or, 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 hey, we're Americans, and those are good things. I'm talking about your identity in Christ. I'm talking about who you are in Jesus Christ. When you receive Christ as your Savior, you were given a new identity. You were given a new spirit. And God wants you to begin to understand who you are, what belongs to you. I say it all the time here. We didn't inherit the pew. We didn't inherit that. We've inherited the kingdom. Amen? And so you have benefits, you have rights, you have privileges that belong to you. And I started last week talking about that. So I want to read to you this morning out of Ephesians 1, starting with verse 4. Now, before I read, let me say this. I was at the hospital this week, and I was giving blood. I have to do blood work since I had that aortic valve replacement. Uh, I have to go periodically, and they check my blood. And while I'm there, I picked up the Gideon Bible and dusted it off. And you could have laughed right there. You missed that completely. I, I picked up the Gideon Bible and dusted it off, and I opened it up to Ephesians chapter 1, and I started reading. And I got so excited because Ephesians chapter 1 it's just promise after promise after promise after promise. And, and the more I read, the more excited I got. And so I wanted to show you a couple of things that I saw. Now, I want to show you in Ephesians 1, 4 and 5. Now, listen, we're talking about who we are in Christ. We're talking about our identity. We're talking about figuring out who we belong to and then what belongs to us. Okay, listen to what this says. It says, just as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, I'm not going to get past the first sentence. Here's the first thing I want you to see. It says that you and I have been chosen. Okay, you've been chosen by God. Now, I really want that to sink into you this morning. You've been chosen by God. I know many people in this room, in my life and in your life, at one time or another, we've been rejected. Okay, we all have. We've probably all experienced that. Okay, the Bible says that you and I have been chosen by God. 
Now, now notice what it says, before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? Well, my mom and dad are Harold and Luella, and before Harold and Luella ever met, before me, mom, papa ever met, you know, Annie's two years old, and I can ask her, uh, Megan's ask her, you know, what's your daddy's name? And she almost can say Kurt, but she kind of just says, Kuh. you know, it, it's, she can barely say it. And then you say, what's your mama's name? And you know what she says, right? Mama. <laughs> yeah, my, my mama's name is Mama, okay? And so it's the same way with my Mimo and Papa. They have names, and I'd have to stop and think about it. But before my Mimo and Papa got together, before my mom and dad got together, before I was ever created, before the world was ever created, God chose you. Now let that sink into your heart this morning. You've been chosen by God, and you were chosen before the world was created. Now I don't know how He did that, but all I know is that He did, and I know all I know is that it belongs to me and it belongs to you. You've been chosen. Listen to the next thing He says. It says, "You and I have been chosen before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love." Oh my gosh! Now I don't know what you've been taught or what you've heard about being holy. Okay, but you know what that scripture says? It says that God is making you holy. Listen, you have no power within yourself. You have no ability. You have no strength to make yourself holy. There's nothing you can do on the outside to make yourself holy on the inside. What makes you holy is the blood of Jesus. What makes you holy is receiving Christ as your Savior. And the scripture says right here that God has made you holy. You know what holy means? Set apart. That's all it means. It means to be set apart, okay? You've been set apart by God. You've been made holy. Now, I know I'm going kind of fast here. I want to stop. I don't want to run off the tracks. Okay, you and I are chosen. You and I have been made holy. Now, this is just getting better. Listen to what it says. And it says you're without blame. Have you ever been blamed? Have you ever been blamed? Right? When I was in junior high, I think it was the first year of junior high, probably the first week of junior high, I lived in Amarillo, and I went to Crockett Junior High, and we had to wear those little white shirts and white shorts and P.E., Y'all, some of y'all are old enough to remember those. And, I, and, we, and we all got our shorts and our shirt on, and we're all, you know, I'm, I'm a kid. And we're all kind of down on one end, and, and the coach is on the other end. And he hollered, down here, boys. And I said, down here, boys. Quit laughing. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. I, I, I mean, and, and when he got down there, everybody was pointing at me. All the kids were pointing at me. And it was like, that was not me. I don't, there must have been some devil in there or something. I don't know. Right? And, 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 and so I got blamed. And I, I lived back in the day. He kicked me in the butt and then made me get down and do push-ups. And I managed about three, you know, three half-hearted push-ups. But he was so mad at me and I got blamed. Listen, it says in the Scripture, you're blameless before God. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. Oh, oh, listen, it's so my heart that you let that sink in. Okay, now listen to what it says. It says you've been chosen. It says that you've been made holy. And it says you're without blame before him in love. The next thing it says that you and I have been predestined to the adoption as sons or daughters by Jesus Christ to himself. Now, listen to what that says. It says that you've been adopted as a son. You've been adopted as a daughter. Now, I don't know what your frame is for adoption. You may think that's maybe a second-class word. I don't know what your experience is with it. But here's what I want you to know about adoption in the Bible means to be placed. 
Okay, to be placed as a son, to be placed as a daughter. How did that happen? It happened the moment you received Christ as your Savior. You were placed in the kingdom as a son. You were placed in the kingdom as a daughter. Are you with me? You, you were born into it. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You get it. And you were placed as a son. Now, isn't this amazing? Man, you need to start smiling at yourself in the morning when you look in the mirror, amen? All right, now listen, let me keep going. It says that you've been predestined to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. And I love this last sentence, according to the good pleasure of his will. Have you ever thought about that you bring God pleasure? That when, when you received Christ as your Savior, when God placed you in the kingdom as a son, when God chose you before the foundation of the world, when he looks at you, he smiles. You bring God pleasure. I bet you haven't lived in that very much. Because you know what we always think, right? Well, I've got to keep jumping. I've got to make a mark on the wall, and I've got to keep jumping and trying to meet that mark. And if I can't meet that mark, then instead I have shame, and I have guilt, and I have anguish, and I let that keep me away from church because I don't meet the mark. I let it keep me away from God because I don't meet the mark. But listen, God has met the mark for you, and it has given him pleasure. You give God pleasure. It was his will to adopt you as a child, to place you in his kingdom, and you give God pleasure. Gosh almighty. I mean, isn't that incredible? Your sons, your daughters, and you give God pleasure. Now, what am I talking about? I'm talking about you understanding your identity and who you are and what belongs to you. There's a lot of stuff just in those two verses right there. Now, listen to me. Most people base their beliefs on their experiences when what we should do is base our experiences on our beliefs. Have you ever prayed before and felt like your prayers didn't get above the ceiling? That your prayers were so weak they couldn't even go through the ceiling tile or they couldn't go through the ceiling in your living room or in your bedroom? I felt like that before. And so if you're not careful, you know what you say? You say, well, my prayers don't work. Okay, that's a lie. Or you have felt like maybe God is distant and that he doesn't hear you. So what you say out your mouth is, well, God is distant and he doesn't hear me. And that's a lie. Here's what I'm advocating, and I talked about it last week. If you'll go to God's Word, if you'll go to the promises of God, and you begin to see yourself the way God sees you, instead of seeing yourself the way you do through your experiences, it'll change your life. It'll change your walk with God, and you'll begin to have experiences now, out at the red desk, when you leave, there are sheets of paper, and on those sheets of paper, I held one up last week. I gave them away last week. If you didn't get one, I would encourage you to get one, and it has 70 promises from the Word of God that belong to you, things Jesus has already won, things Jesus has already paid for, 70 promises that belong to you on the front and the back. And if you'd pick up one of those and take it home with you, and instead of basing your relationship with God on your experiences, you base it on the truth of God's Word, and you begin to read what those, what those promises are, it'll change your life. Now, let me just read to you a few of them. One of them says, I'm loved. I said that already. You're chosen. You're forgiven. You're set free. You're a son. You're a daughter. I love the R's. What are the R's? I'm rescued. I'm ransomed. I'm redeemed. I'm restored. I'm renewed. Jesus has done all of that, and it all belongs to you. I gave the example last week. 
You know, I could put a million dollars in the bank under your name, but if you don't know it, it doesn't do you any good. See, God has set up an account for you, but if you don't know it, it doesn't do you any good. So what am I saying this morning? I want you to grab one of those pieces of paper, grab your Bible, look up those promises. What if you just did one a day? What if in the morning you got that sheet of paper out and you looked up the first couple of verses, you reminded yourself of what that promise says, you said it about yourself, and see, then you're on the way to changing your identity. You're on the way to finding out who you are in Christ. And if you did one a day, it takes 70 days, it'd take two months. But listen, I guarantee you, it'll bring you closer to God. I guarantee you, it'll begin to change how you see yourself. You see, if you would just stop listening to others, and start listening to God. If you quit listening to what your parents have said or what a teacher has said or maybe what a coach has said or what a boss has said, and I'm not picking on any of those people, don't get me wrong, but a lot of times we carry with us things people have said about us. Hey, you'll never make it. You're not talented enough. You're not good enough. Whatever it is, And you begin to go to God's word and find out what his promises are. And then you begin to realize, hey, no, I I am loved. Hey, I am chosen. Hey, I am redeemed. Hey, God does have a plan for me. You know what happens. You begin to walk into your identity. And it changes everything about you. Now, I said last week to practice the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. What do you mean, Pastor? Just throughout your day, take a one-minute pause. You know, I'm in line at Sonic. It's happy hour. What, two to four? Right, two to four, happy hour. You're like, I don't know. You're not a Sonic junkie. If you're a Sonic junkie, you know two to four, right? I went in the summer, you know. So I'm in line getting my cherry lime. The line goes all the way around, and you're wondering why you didn't just pull in an order. While you're waiting, or while you're waiting at the bank, or you have a minute at lunchtime, or you have a break, what if you just took 60 seconds and reminded yourself of the promises of God? Here's how you do it. Here's number one. Jesus, I thank you right now. You are with me. Your word says you are in me. You live in my heart. I thank you I'm not alone. I thank you I'm not on my own. I thank you I don't have to make my life work. God, I don't know about you, but that helps me. Oh, my gosh, Jesus, I thank you. I don't have to make Tulia Christian Fellowship work. Oh, God, that feels good, right? And you just took 60 seconds. Hey, Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you that you promised you'd never leave me or forsake me. Thank you that you've gone to heaven to prepare a place for me. Thank you that you're working on my mansion right now. And if there wasn't mansions in heaven, you would have said so. Well, maybe that's not what he meant. No, that's exactly what he meant. I have a big mansion It's going to have a big gate, and you're not getting in without a pass. No, I'm playing. You can come in. But we cheat ourselves, right? Oh, well, that's not what he meant. No, that's exactly what he meant. What if you did that for 60 seconds? See, not five minutes, not 10 minutes, just 60 seconds. Thank you, Jesus. You're with me. Fill what I'm doing with your life and love and presence. What if you did it two or three times a day? Listen, it'll change your walk with God. You know, in Ground Zero, sometimes we do questions and answers. And one of the kids said, how do you know Jesus is real? And I said, because I know I had coffee with him this morning. Well, they looked at me like, you need prayer. (laughs) Right? Now, we know he wasn't physically at my house. 
but I know he's real. I know he's in me. And when I take time to be with him, I'm aware of that, just like you can be aware of it. And he's there one minute a day. Just take a minute a day and just do it two or three times a day. All right, here's the next thing Chuck Pierce said. He said, this year, 2018, to endeavor to stay connected to God. Vicki always says that you have to cultivate relationships. She always says you have to cultivate love. You and I both know if you have friendships or you have relationships, what do they take? They take time. Do they not? If you're going to have close friends, it takes time. It's the same way with Jesus. Jesus, I want to endeavor to stay close to you in 2018. All right, let me read you a verse. It's Hebrews 10, 25. Hebrews 10, 25. Hey, Pastor, that's all great and everything. How do I do it? Hebrews 10, 25 says, to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's what we're doing right here, right now. We're assembling. We're having church. As is the manner of some, but exhort one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let me show you just some simple things you can do to stay connected to Jesus Christ. The first one's just what I've already talked about. Just take a minute. Jesus, thank you. You're with me. Thank you that I'm not far away from you. You know what you're doing? You're staying close. You're staying connected. Jesus said, I'll leave you. He said, I'll never forsake you. See, if you struggle, you think, well, pastor, I don't know if I hear God. Well, you know what Jesus said? He said, my sheep know my voice. He promised that. My sheep know my voice. So if you think, Pastor, how do I hear God better in 2018? I can tell you exactly how to hear him better. You just thank him that you hear him. Hey, Jesus, thank you. I hear your voice. You said your sheep would know your voice. I'm one of them. Amen? I'm a sheep. And so since I'm a sheep, that promise belongs to me. Jesus, thank you, I hear your voice. Thank you, I'm led by your spirit. Here's another thing, and I said it already, uh, be in church. Thank you for being here this morning. You know what you're doing by being here? You're endeavoring to be close to Christ. Thank you. Hey, Jesus, I want what you have for me. You endeavor to be close. Listen to the next thing is read God's word. Read God's word whether it's on your phone. It doesn't matter how or when or where. Just read God's word. Take that sheet of 70 promises and begin to go through them. Hang out with Christian friends, people who want God, people who want to go where you're going. I want to hang out with God. I want to be with people who want to hang out with God. Listen, I've been hungry for God my whole life, and I want to be with people who are hungry for God. You do the same thing. Now, listen to the last part of this verse. Hebrews 10, 25 says, but exhort one another so much more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the return of Christ. Jesus is coming. He said he was. And you know what we're supposed to be doing while we're here? We're supposed to be exhorting each other, encouraging each other, loving each other. Brother, you just being here exhorts me and encourages me. Seriously. You know what the devil tells you? Oh, you don't need to go. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to notice if you're there. You're not needed. That's a lie. Listen, we're supposed to encourage one another. Sometimes just your presence encourages somebody. And then it can be a hug, a kind word, a smile. We're supposed to what? Encourage one another so that we can go back out there and do what God's called us to do. Here's the next thing he said. I'm going to read to you out of James 4, 7. Chuck Pierce said that God wants us to submit to him willingly. Submit to him willingly. I have the most beautiful, amazing, wonderful, incredible, angelic two-year-old granddaughter. 
Those were good words, weren't they? Awesome. And she will submit, but not always willingly. You, you know what I mean, right? And we never have a problem with her at our house. You know why? Because we let her do whatever she wants, <laughs> right? Yeah, whatever she wants to do, that's what we're doing, right? But then when she gets with her mom and dad, it's, it's a little bit different. All right, you know what God says? Listen to it in James 4, 7. Submit to God. Now, the word submit means to yield, to yield. God, I yield. God, I submit to you. The word Lord means boss. Jesus, you're my Lord. Jesus, you're my boss. Jesus, I submit my marriage. I submit my children. I submit my business. I submit my job. I submit my future. I submit my bank account. You know what God told the children of Israel? He said, hey, I'm glad you bring sacrifices, and I want your sacrifices. And they were bringing bulls and goats and things. And here's what God said. It's all great that you're bringing a bull, but listen, that bull is mine. That bull was not created by you. You didn't make it happen. I made it happen. And you're bringing it to me, and I'm glad you're bringing it to me, but ultimately it belongs to me. God told the children of Israel, I own the cattle. I own them. I own the earth and the fullness thereof. It's mine. So everything you have belongs to God. The breath in your chest belongs to God. The vision in your eyes belong to God. The thoughts in your mind belong to God. So, God, I willingly submit my life to you. You're my creator. You're my redeemer. You're my sustainer. And, Lord, it all belongs to you, and I willingly submit it to you. It says, it says to submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. You know what we do, don't you? We want to do some resisting, but we don't want to do any submitting. Listen, if you don't submit to God, the devil laughs at you. And it doesn't matter how, long you, how loud you are, how long you yell. Oh, devil, get out of here. And if you haven't been submitting, he doesn't have to go anywhere. So you got to give it to the Father first. Then it says in Scripture that you can resist the devil, and what will he do? He'll flee. But you have to submit first. You know how often you have to do it? Every day. Maybe you need to do it every hour. Maybe you need to do it every minute. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in your life. If you've never submitted before, you ought to just start once a day. Lord, here's today. Here's my life. Lord, use me. Lord, I want to be used by you. Lord, I want to be a light in this city. I want to be a light at my job. I want to be a beacon set up on a hill. Lord, use me. I give you today. And if you've never done that, you should start. The next thing he said was, is that God wants you to let go and start doing it now. What do you mean, Pastor? Listen to what Romans 8, 28 says. It says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. You know what I'm talking about, right? Those things in your life that you can't fix, those things in your life you can't change. You know, one thing that we have no control over is the future. I can't change the future. You can't either. We don't even know what's coming. But here's what I can do. God, I hand it to you. God, here's my marriage, here's my future, here's my career, here's my wife. Uh, if I don't have a wife, Lord, here's my desire to be married. God, I let go, I let go. Years ago, I heard Joyce Meyer say that she was praying that God would change her husband. And God told her, hey, you know, it's like your husband's clay on a potter's wheel. And either you're going to put your hands on him or I'm going to put my hands on him, but we're not going to both do it. 
You know what we want, right? Well, I'm going to put my hands on Vicky, and God is going to put his hands over my hands, and I'm going to kind of do some guiding and directing. You know what God says? No, you're not. No. Either I'm going to do it or you're going to do it, but we're not going to both do it. Let go. God, here you go. Here's my mate. Here's my kids. Here's my job. Here's my money. Here it is, God. Let go and let God take care of it. And you know what? He will. He will. Amen? All right, let me read you the last verse. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The last thing he said was, don't lean on your own understanding. Do you struggle with trying to figure things out? Do you struggle with trying to decide, hey, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what I need to do next. I wonder why this doesn't work. I wonder why that doesn't work. Well, I have an answer. Don't lean on your own understanding. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How much of your heart? All of it, right. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Okay, how do I do that, Pastor? Well, I'm gonna let go and start now. I'm gonna submit willingly and I'm gonna stay connected. See, then it makes trusting him easy. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. How many of you want God to direct your path? Man, I do. Okay, all we gotta do is trust him. Lord, I'm gonna trust you. I'm not gonna try to figure it out. I'm not gonna try to break it down because all that produces is what? Worry and fret. I'm gonna worry. No, don't worry. Worry's a waste of time. Hey, lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him and he'll take care of you. Now, now don't miss this. I wanna show you something pretty cool. Don't lean on your understanding. Let go and start now. Submit to him willingly. Stay connected to him and you'll be transformed into a new identity. Here's what I know. God has a good plan for you. Yeah, right here. Yeah, I'm sorry, I just couldn't help it, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm like off the platform. I'm like, it's the spit zone, and yeah, yeah. You know, if my wife was in here, she'd say, stop doing that. God has a plan, and it's a good plan. John McGee always said it's a stinking good plan. It's a stinking good plan. Here's what I want to encourage you with this morning. You're loved. You're chosen. And it doesn't matter what you're facing. Jesus is walking with you. He'll help you. He'll change you. He'll strengthen you. Whatever it is that you need, he'll move and do it in your life. Amen? Bow your head and let me pray for you. Father God, I love you this morning. I'm so thankful for such an amazing group of people. Father, I'm so humbled that you would allow me the opportunity to share my heart and share your scripture this morning. Father, I pray your grace over every single person, every single family. I pray life, I pray grace, I pray strength, I pray hope, I pray courage, I pray life. Father, I know we're your children, we're your sons, we're your daughters, and I know you love us and that you are directing our life, you are ordering our steps, and that your plans for us are good. Father, as we go from this place, my prayer is that we are refreshed, we are renewed, we're strengthened, and we're encouraged, and that you use us this week in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Would you all stand, please?